Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend, Chapter 4. Filthy Henry had to admit there was something charming about Carlingford. A fact not many people who had lived in Dublin most of their lives would openly admit. There was a general stereotype about people who came from the Big Smoke, one shared by anybody born down the country. This stereotype was that Dubliners hated everywhere outside of Dublin, for no reason other than it was outside of Dublin. For a large portion of the Dublin population, this was simply untrue mainly because a lot of people in Dublin were actually from the countryside and only lived there because of work, which left the small population of true Dubliners very confused as to what was actually going on. The ferry detective fell into the camp of those Dubliners who could appreciate that while Dublin itself was great, it didn't require a lot of mental work to accept other parts of Ireland were just as great. Maybe not equally as great, but that basically boiled down to a pride thing. As they made their way through the quiet streets of Carlingford, Shelley and Drew just followed Filthy Henry. What are we looking for? Shelley asked. Bed and breakfast, the fairy detective replied. What about that one over there? Drew said, stopping outside a small Italian restaurant and pointing across the street. I'm pretty sure we've passed three of them already. Are you looking for a particular one or something? Filthy Henry looked at the building the Druid had pointed to. It was a little terraced house the street-facing wall completely whitewashed. Flower pots stood to either side of the front door, with complementing hanging baskets swaying above them. A hand-painted sign on the wall to the left of the door read, Home from Home, Bed and Breakfast. Filthy Henry studied the sign. Sure, why not? It's just a place for us to rest our head at the end of the day. The ferry detective crossed the road, not waiting to see if the others followed, and entered the bed and breakfast through the open front door. Inside, the building looked like it came straight from an ancient and forgotten home decor magazine. The carpet had a strange brown-red-green floral pattern to it. Just inside the doorway to the left was an older dresser unit upon which stood a collection of family photos and holiday snaps, some of which looked to have been taken on the very first model of camera in existence. On the right was an antique phone chair, a sort of half-sofa with a table attached to it. Instead of a phone, there was a guest book on the table opened on a page with a few names and dates entered into the rows. At the end of the hallway was a little desk area, behind which stood a cabinet, where all the room keys hung on tiny hooks. A little old lady sat at the desk, knitting away without a care in the world. She glanced up at the fairy detective as he walked towards her, the tapping of the needles not missing a stitch. Hello, she said in a sing-song way, half-moon spectacles perched on the end of her nose. How could I help you today, my dear? Drew and Shelley had joined him at this stage, both stopping five feet from the desk. They dropped their bags to the ground, Shelley nodding at the ferry detective to book a room. Mark, is it? The old lady said, giving Filthy Henry a once-over examination. Mary's boy from down the road. Filthy Henry frowned and shook his head once. Sorry, I think you might be mixing me up with somebody else. We've only just arrived in town, looking for a place to stay for a couple of days. She raised her eyebrows in that manner, people who wore glasses tended to do, as if the actions somehow allowed them to take in more details. After a moment, she smiled and shook her head. Oh, I'm sorry, sweetheart, 
My mind isn't as sharp as it once was. I've got that thing, you know, like what do you call it? Horrible thing that affects elderly people mainly. Alzheimer's, Drew asked. No, no, a kidney infection, that's it. I have a kidney infection. And how does that affect your memory? Shelley asked. Never mind that, Shelley. We've no time to be indulging these simple curiosities. Listen, do you happen to have three rooms for a couple of days? Maybe a week at the most. The old lady stopped knitting and jotted down some numbers onto a pattern page laid out in her lap. She turned her seat slightly and looked at the collection of keys on the wall behind. There was not one single hook devoid of a key. Well, I think I might have one or two going spare, she said. Our street-facing one's okay. Well, that'll do nicely, Filthy Henry said. She nodded and slowly rose from her seat, moving over to pluck three keys from their little brass hooks. These were handed over to the ferry detective. Then she opened up a ledger on the desk and tapped the page. Just fill in a name and some contact details there, she said. Rooms one, three and five, but you can put them all against yourself. I'm not that fussy about the details. Filthy Henry took the keys and pocketed them. He picked up a blue pen that was attached to the ledger and wrote down his name and Shelley's mobile number. Mr. Henry, the old lady said, closing the book when he was finished. That'll do nicely. Well, it's actually just Henry, the fairy detective said. What's that, dear? The old woman replied, picking up her knitting needles once more. The rooms are just one floor up. If you don't mind, Harry, I might let you find your own way. My hips aren't what they used to be. I've that thing, you know, what do you call it, begins with an A. Arthritis? Shelley asked, as she and the druid picked up their bags. Atlee's foot, the old lady said. Okay, stairs is on the right. Off you go. The three of them headed over to the stairs and started to climb. At the top there was a long landing with doors on either side of it. Even numbered rooms were on the right, odd on the left. The three of them walked down to the end of the landing and found their rooms. Filthy Henry gave each of them a key, keeping room number three for himself. Right, we're checked in. Dump the bags and let's go get some food. I'm starving. You know she called you Harry, Drew the Druid said, as he unlocked his room door and went inside. Don't bother your little brain on that too much, the fairy detective said. He unlocked his room door and stepped inside. It was decorated in a similar vintage style as the rest of the place. The colour on the walls was slightly faded, but had a sky-blue shine. An old metal frame double bed stood in the centre of the floor, perfectly made up with fresh white sheets. In the corner of the room a door stood ajar, revealing the tiny ensuite within. Filthy Henry tossed his suitcase onto the bed and walked over to the window, looking down on the street below. He smiled. I'm never leaving Dublin again, he said to nobody in particular. Shelley unpacked her bag, carefully putting the clothes away in the small dresser. She quickly looked around the room with her fairy vision, but there was nothing magical to be revealed. Walking over to the window, Shelley looked down at the street and was surprised to see only people. Every part of Dublin seemed to have a magical side to it when the invisible curtain between the worlds was pulled back. People and fairies walking side by side, even if the humans were completely unaware that a leprechaun was strolling two feet in front of them. Yet Carlingford looked to be devoid of any fairy folk at all. No buildings appeared out of thin air either. Sometimes the empty and derelict structures dotted around Dublin were actually just magical facades that vanished under the fairy sight. But in this town, it looked like what you saw was what you got. That's strange, Shelley thought. 
Somebody knocked on her room door. She walked over and opened it. Drew the Druid stood outside, his grey hood pulled up to hide the baldness. Oh, I think you got a nicer room than I did, Drew said, stepping inside. Any chance you'd like to swap? Nope. Let's get Henry and get started on this case. I mean, we've no idea where this supposed champion is. All we have is a name, and sure who knows how many people in Carliford go by Cottle Cullen. It's a fair point, I guess. The Mirai could have given us just a little bit more to go on. Well, then she'd be in danger of breaking the rules. They both turned to see Filthy Henry standing in the doorway of the room. Isn't she sort of already breaking them by telling us about this in the first place? Shelley asked. Not really. There was an imbalance about to occur. She simply made sure the other side, i.e. us, knew they had to get onto the scales. Drew looked at Shelley and Filthy Henry, clearly confused. So what does and doesn't constitute breaking the rules of the fairy folk? It's a bloody mystery sometimes. How about you worry about solving the case of male pattern baldness first, Filthy Henry said. Leave the fairy cases to the professionals. Shelley, grab your notepad. Drew, get your wallet. We're going for lunch. Why can't we just use some of your magic to pay? Drew asked. The fairy detective frowned. Well, that's just bad manners. This is a tourist town after all. Hippity hop now, chop chop. PJ O'Hare's is a great spot for some grub. He headed off down the hall. Shelley smiled at Drew, then grabbed her coat and followed Filthy Henry, dragging Drew by his arm out of the room so that she could close and lock the door. They followed the ferry detective down the stairs and through the hallway. As they passed the old woman at the front desk, Shelley handed in her key. Your friend David's outside, the old lady said. Oh, thanks, Shelley replied, giving Drew a confused look. They left through the front door and found Filthy Henry standing with his hands in his coat pockets, looking around the street. David? Shelley asked him. Filthy Henry shrugged. Who knows what's going on with that last marble in her head? I'd say it's the chip in it. It isn't even rolling around properly. He turned and started walking down the street. As the road bent to the right slightly, the ferry detective crossed to the other side and went left, back towards the toll gate where the magical doorway had brought them. On the corner of the street stood a red brick building with a black wooden frame set around it. In front of the second floor windows, were flower boxes, oddly complementing the two red wooden doors at the street level of the building. Filthy Henry walked past the front door and opened the second, entering the building. Shelley and Drew followed the ferry detective's lead. Just inside stood an oak bar counter, varnished and polished to shiny perfection. Above the counter hung a collection of wine and pint glasses on hooks, lined up like a workplace accident waiting to happen. The walls were home to a variety of pictures both painted and photographed. Smiling faces of famous patrons looked down while rolling countryside landscapes added a touch of class to the establishment. On some shelves there stood tiny trophies, the words too small to read without picking the trophy up. Small wooden shields with bronze plates nestled among various balls from different sports. There was even a silver hurdy stick gathering dust on the shelf over the bar. An unusual award, which Shelley had never seen before but then it seemed completely in keeping with the sport's theme, nestled among the dozen or so tiny metal golfers on little trophies. An archway led out of the bar area into the rear of the pub, but Filthy Henry had taken up a seat at a small round table just to the right of the doorway. He nodded as they both stepped in, then pointed at the two empty chairs. Drew and Shelley sat down at the table. 
What's that smell? Drew asked, sniffing loudly. I wasn't hungry before, but I am now. Oh, this place serves some great grub. Always has, Filthy Henry said. He took off his trench coat and bundled it into a ball before placing it on the windowsill behind his chair. So good, it actually deserves to be paid with real money. So we're just doing the usual refuel for you? Shelley asked. Well, there's that. And also, this is as good a place to start the case as any. So slap out your notepad there. Let's see what's what. Shelley pulled out her notepad and dropped it on the table. The fairy detective reached over and picked it up. He flipped through the pages and stopped on the one that had the details of Mariah's case. Get some menus there, Drew, would you? Good lad. Quid pro menu, the druid said. What was it you tossed into the doorway on Dame Street? The fairy detective arched an eyebrow and looked across the table at Drew. After pondering the question for a moment, he shrugged his shoulders and continued to read Shelley's notepad. The doorway's a one-way transport around Ireland. But it only brings you to certain spots. Ancient places. It can't be used to suddenly appear inside a bank safe, for example. Carlingford luckily happened to be one of the places the doorway connected to. The payment for using it is a memory. You cast a spell, push it into a glass bead, and toss it through the door. A memory? Shelley asked, surprised. Well, I guess you don't use it all that often, then, Drew said. Filthy Henry nodded. Exactly. Of course, the perk is you get to pick the memory used for payment. Helps offload some emotional baggage. If only I could actually remember what the baggage was I offloaded. Right. So we're here to find a hero who goes by the name of Cahill Cullen. Best plan, I reckon, is just asking if anybody knows him in here. I can handle that, Drew said, pushing back his chair and standing up from the table. The druid walked over to the bar counter and wrapped his knuckles on the polished surface twice. He looked back over at Shelley and Filthy Henry, giving them a conspiratorial wink. This isn't going to go well, is it? Shelley said. Filthy Henry sat back and folded his arms. I just wished I had some popcorn. From a side doorway on the right, which seemed to lead to the other bar counter in the next room, the barman appeared. He frowned at Drew and walked over, standing on the opposite side of the counter. With a hand the size of a small shovel, the barman picked up a pint glass and bar towel, then started to polish the glass. Anything I can help you with? he asked the druid. Uh, yes, Drew said, winking at the barman and motioning him closer with a slight nod of his head. I'm looking for a man. The barman gave the pint glass in his hand a tight rub, so that a loud squeak ripped through the quiet of the pub. Run that one past me again. A man, the druid said. I'm just looking for a man. With slow, deliberate movements, the barman put the glass down on the countertop in front of him, folding the towel and placing it on top. He planted his fist down on either side of the glass and leaned across the counter so that his nose was a few inches away from Drew's own. You're in the wrong place for that sort of thing. Not that I've a problem with it, you understand. I'm fairly sure my boyfriend would have some questions if I did. But this isn't the sort of pub for that. Drew, beginning to visibly sweat, frowned. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm being clear. He thinks you want to find yourself a boyfriend, Drew, Filthy Henry said. The barman looked over at Shelley and the fairy detective. Which is fine. It's a fantastic and modern new world we're in after all. But I'd be saying the same thing if this bald eagle came in looking for a woman. My patrons, regardless of preferences, could do a whole lot better. 
Now hang on just a second, there's no need to get so personal about it, Drew said. Quicker than it should have been possible, the barman's head whipped back so that he was staring directly into Drew's eyes. Are you trying to get fruity with me, boy? Drew gulped. We're here looking for a man, like a guy, a person. In the area. Someone who stands out from the normal inhabitants of the town. Something strange or unusual about them. Bit odd, perhaps. The barman gave Drew a questioning look, one that implied there were trust issues. He took the glass and towel in his hand again, stood up straight and started to polish once more. Well, there is that lad David Perkins, the barman said. He isn't it at the minute, but you'll know him when you see him. Uh, Why is that? Hilti Henry asked. He always comes in here wearing a Kildare Ga jersey. Shelley didn't really consider this all that strange. Most men in Ireland tended to wear their county colours, showing support for their team in one of the many sports that the Gaelic Athletic Association governed over. In fact, some women had a habit of wearing these tops as well, although they at least had the decency to only do it on match days. But then ladies generally had a better sense of fashion when sporting events were not going on anyway. I don't really see how you'd count that as something which would make him stand out, she said. The barman shrugged. I uh, see where you're coming from, but considering we're in Loud, not Kildare, means he isn't wearing the right top for a start. What makes it even more strange is that David doesn't actually follow any sports at all. So yeah, wearing the top definitely would have him on the not normal list. Nap, not him, Phil the Henry said. Yeah, uh, the guy we're looking for would be somebody with a truly unique ability. Something you can't explain. The barman stared into the rafters of the old-style ceiling and thought. I guess there is Fitzy. Colin Fitzpatrick. He has a grand ability. He can fly when he's drunk. Drew's eyes opened wide. Really? Ah, for sure. He can fly straight from the stool and onto the ground. No problem at all. Filthy Henry groaned. Something tells me that isn't the first time you've used that joke. You would be correct, sir. The barman said, grinning like a schoolboy. Let's just ask for him by name. Why are we wasting time? Shelley said. What's with all this stupid cloak and dagger questioning lark? Drew the Druid looked abashed. I just assumed that was how you did it, he said. He looked at the barman. Like in the detective movies. Okay then, do you know where we might find Cahill Cullen? I do indeed. But it's Ulysses, you mean. He came in here only a few short hours ago, said he needed a cure for his hangover, and then decided to just prolong the hangover instead. You'll find him around the corner in the long room. Filthy Henry stood up and stepped around the table, heading in the direction the barman had indicated. Shelley picked up her notepad and followed him over, stopping just inside the archway that separated the small bar from the longer one. Did you call him Ulysses? she asked the barman. Carl, Ulysses the barman said with a smile. All the same, really. I let him explain the stupid reason behind it. Anyway, he's in there in his usual spot. Shelley and the fairy detective both peered into the long and somewhat empty bar beyond, then looked at the barman once more. Yeah, there's nobody in there, Filthy Henry said. Is his special ability being invisible or something? The barman shook his head once. Oh, he's in there all right. I said he's in his usual spot, passed out in front of the fire. I assume because if he has a little pant-wetting accident, 
It'll have dried up before he wakes. Filthy Henry and Shelley stepped through the archway, into the bigger bar area. It was an L-shaped room. On the right was a continuation of the bar counter. Alcohol-filled bottles and beer taps on display for the patrons to peruse at their pleasure. The longer part of the room was home to a few randomly laid out tables and chairs, acting as a sort of obstacle course to the dance floor area. On the left was a large, old-style stone fireplace. A roaring fire burned in the grate, providing a pleasant sensation of heat. Curled up in a small ball, right in front of the flames, was an unconscious man. A skinny, slightly scruffy man in dire need of a haircut. A man without anything particularly special or strange about him. Well, this can't be right, the fairy detective cried. Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend is a novel by Derek Power. More Filthy Henry novels are available to buy on Amazon Kindle. Narration and music by Niall Milton. To keep up to date with episodes this season, why not subscribe or like or share? We'd really appreciate it.